Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Hebrews chapter 11 tonight is where we're going to be, and uh, it's really Hebrews 11, probably one of the most famous, um, one of the most famous books of Scripture. Uh, when you look at Hebrews chapter number 11, or famous chapter, excuse me, uh, everybody knows it as the hall of what? The hall of faith. If you've been in church for any length of time, then you know uh, Hebrews 11 as the hall of faith. And <coughs> it's known as the hall of faith because uh, listed in it are 19 specific individuals uh, where their faith is highlighted as being, or where, excuse me, where their life is highlighted or characterized as being a life or a person of faith. So there's 19 individuals, and then there's a bunch of other groups that are listed. There's those that uh, were fed to the lions, there's those, and it just kind of gives things like that or talks about the nation of Israel. So really, there's probably about 26 different individuals or groups of people listed in Hebrews 11 as people who were of a great faith. Now, Real quick tonight, the faith it's talking about in Hebrews 11 when it lists these characters, it's not talking about a faith for salvation. It's not saying, hey, they had a great faith for salvation and that's why we're there in here. The faith that, that Hebrews 11 looks at is a faith or a ever deepening trust in God. It's a trust that continually falls back on the Lord. And so these characters, they're known as a group of people who demonstrated a continual trust in God, even in spite of their circumstances and in spite of their situations. And the truth is that every single one of us should desire that type of faith. Every Christian should want to grow in their faith. Now again, it's not growing in this idea of salvation, that coming to faith. It's growing in just learning to trust God more. And here's why. Every person who trusts Christ as Savior, throughout, from the moment you trust Christ until the moment you die, God is going to ask you to take faith steps for him. Right? He's gonna ask you when you, you know, you think about this. When you first trusted Christ, let's, let's think about this for just a moment. When you first trusted Christ, what was one of the first faith steps God asked you to make? What? To get baptized. And when a person first trusts Christ, someone presents to them, hey, you should get baptized. And most people, what, it's kind of a struggle, isn't it? Well, I, I don't know. Well, what is, what's, what's the Lord asking in baptism? It's the step of faith that identifies with Christ. Right? And says, I'm serious about this. All right, after you get baptized, what's some more faith steps that God may bring into your life? And it might not be in the, the order we're gonna talk in, but what are some of them that he brings in? Mike? All right, giving. That is a huge faith step, isn't it? Anybody that's given and to, to tithe, that's a step of faith. Well, it belongs to the Lord. Yeah, but when you first get involved, whew, man, really? Oh, 10%. Oh, I just, oh, you know, I got... But it, man, I feel like the Lord wants me to. That's a faith step. What, what's, another, what's another step? Witnessing. All right, telling folks about the Lord. Man, taking that step. Maggie? First John. All right, taking a step of faith to believe 1 John 1, 
that I have an advocate with the Father, and if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive my sin and to make that step. Sarah, did you ever hear? Oh, I thought, thought that. Leo? Leo? When God's calling you to do something, and even, even though you think you can't do it, but he wants, he wants you to do it. Okay, areas of our life where God calls us to do something where we, we're doubting, like, I can't do that. Maybe like serving, right? Serving in, in ministry. I, I could never work in the nursery. I could never do that. It's a step of faith. Anybody think of another one, Janet? Getting plugged into areas of ministry. All right, just getting plugged into areas of ministry. Isaac? Okay, so not, not even just witnessing, but just inviting them to church. That takes a huge step of faith. Dustin? Praying. Gordon? Prayer? Same thing. Okay, Jim? Okay, attending church. Helen, that's, that's, I remember, as he said that, I remember you telling me one time of you and Don, and that same similar testimony of just like, wait, I've got to give up more, I've got to, that's a big step to come to church two times a week, three times a week now? Oh, and now you want me here earlier on a Sunday morning? Ah! And you know, it's just faith, it takes a step. Jacob, do you have your hand up? No? Mike? Bible reading. Janet? All right, get in the Word. You say, Pastor, why are we looking at all these? The truth is this, that every single one of us, when you, when you get saved, God begins a journey. And it's a journey of faith steps. But every faith step that God asks us to take requires trust. It requires, it, it requires just trust in the Lord. And the truth is that faith should be an a, a, a ever-growing part of our Christianity. And tonight we're just gonna take a few minutes and we're gonna look at one character from Hebrews 11, uh, the character of Abraham. We're not gonna spend a lot of time here in Hebrews 11. I just wanna read what it says about him. And then we're gonna go back to Genesis chapter 12 through 18 and really all the way even to 22. And tonight I wanna find out, I wanna answer this question. What was it? What were some things that influenced Abraham's faith? What were some things that influenced his faith positively and what were some things that influenced his faith negatively? Because just as we can take faith steps forward, we can also take doubt steps backwards. And I think that's a struggle that a lot of Christians have. And so tonight, just something that I think will be a help to us. And so let's go to Hebrews 11 and stand with me if you would. And let's just go to verse number eight. Hebrews 11, 8, and just the first few verses of this life of Abraham right here. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looks for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as, as dead, uh, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them 
and embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I love verse 13 when it says that these all died in faith. Uh, The statement means that they died and even at the moment of death, they were still trusting. They still knew God was doing something. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, they didn't have, they, they had not received the promises. Well, what, what promises? Well, they, they had not seen the Messiah. They had not received the, uh, Abraham, when he died, Abraham had not received, he had not received the promise that all of his seed was gonna be as the sand of the seashore. That's what the promise was. That's what a covenant was. He hadn't received that. Sarah, she hadn't received that. But they saw him afar off. Well, what's that mean? They just believed. They just trusted. And then the next phrase, they were persuaded of them. So their belief was something that they were convinced of in their heart. And then it says, and they embraced them. The phrase embrace has to do with a hug, right? We think of that. But the phrase embrace has to do with fully accept, to, full, to make fully mine. So not only did they say, okay, God, I'm Abraham, not, okay, God, I believe that you'll do that. He said, God, I know you'll do it. And I'm gonna make every decision in my life, I'm gonna make it based upon the knowledge that you will come through, even if I don't see it. That's, that's some pretty big faith. That's some pretty big trust. And then that last part says, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Man, they just knew this, this isn't my home. So I've got something more to live for. Now, verse 13, I think, summarizes much of all of Hebrews 11. And when we look at that verse, I don't know about you, but I want that type of faith in life. I want that type of faith in this life, to be able to say, no matter what comes, like, God, I'm all in, I'm consumed, I'm sold out. And from Abraham's life back in Genesis, I think we're going to see again just a few things that positively and negatively influence our faith. And so let's pray and then let's get into the study tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's just take a moment and why don't you uh, ask the Lord to, to speak to your heart tonight and then make a commitment to him that if, you're, if he speaks that you'll listen to him. Dear Lord, we thank you again for your word, and we pray that you'd bless our time tonight, that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd help us to respond based on how you've spoken to us. And uh, we love you, Lord. Grow our faith tonight. Grow my faith. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we talk about growing in our faith tonight, I want us to know, again, I'm not simply uh, uh, talking about our faith as in our relationship with the Lord. So not talking just about salvation or just about uh, this generic type of faith, but, excuse me, tonight I really want us to look at this idea of growing in our trust for the Lord. And that way, when those faith steps come, that we can say, okay, God, I can trust you. Uh, When I think about this, I actually think about uh, the movie Aladdin. Uh, the Disney movie Aladdin, if you've ever seen the old cartoon movie or, or the new one that just came out, 
Um, there's a saying in the movie Aladdin that I remember from even from when I was a kid and watched the movie. Aladdin, if you've never seen it, he's a, you know a street rat, just a, just a broke kid living in the streets of, streets of Agrabah, and uh, he finds a lamp and a genie and all this stuff. But he falls in love with the princess. Her name's Jasmine. And on many of the scenes in Aladdin, with Aladdin and Jasmine, he'll be like maybe on, on a ledge, and he, all, he asks her a question. He holds his hand out, and he looks her in the eyes, and he says, Jasmine, do you trust me? And that's like a key phrase of his, like through the whole movie. And ever since I was a kid, like when I think about trusting the Lord, I, I, I don't know, I just think about, it's like Aladdin with Jasmine. He's saying, hey, do you trust me? There's one scene in particular where he's on, a, uh, he's on the ledge of a balcony, or excuse me, he's on a, on, yeah, by the ledge of a balcony on a magic carpet. Found out that he has a magic carpet and she's never seen a magic carpet. And he's like, do you wanna, you wanna go up and, and go for a ride? Well, I've never, what, you know, and there's all this conversation going and he just holds his hand out. Do you trust me? You know what, in your life and in my life as a Christian, there's gonna be times when the Lord just simply is gonna ask you, like, do you trust me? I'm not gonna give you all of the facts. I'm not gonna give you how tithing's gonna work out. I'm not gonna give you the end result of if you'll witness to this coworker. I'm not gonna give you the explanation of how everything's gonna work or play out. I just wanna ask you if, if you trust me. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about tonight. And so I want you and I tonight at the end of the message to be able to say when next, the next time God asks me, do you trust me? I wanna scream out a resounding yes. I trust you. Whatever it is, God, I trust you. There's an old statement of a man years ago that said if you want to come to the place of complete trust with the Lord, don't fill out your plans and say, God, if you'll do these things, then I'll trust you. He said, you need to take your, take your, uh, your name and sign it to the bottom of a blank piece of paper and give it to God and say, God, I trust you. Whatever you do, I sign my name to it, I'll do it. And I hope that we could have that type of a faith. In order to see this tonight, we're gonna look in, in Genesis chapter 12 all the way through chapter 18. So take your Bible and turn back there. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 12. And uh, <clears throat> I want us to look tonight and find out some things that influence the faith of Abraham and, and others that you read about in Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got one of those weird coughs just stuck there, so I'll try not to do that. But as you look at the life of Abraham, there's some things that influenced their faith, that helped them, that it helped them positively, but there's also some things that influenced them negatively. And so we're gonna look at these tonight. The first one I want us to see, answering the question, what influences our faith? I want us to see that our problems, problems influence our faith. Problems influence our faith. <clears throat> if you were to go to the story of Abraham, while he's stated as being a man of great faith in Hebrews 11, uh, there were times that problems actually negatively influenced Abraham's faith. One of them is in Proverbs chapter number 12. 
If you go to verse number one, it says this, the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house uh, unto a land that I will show thee. So God calls Abraham to travel to a new land. Abraham does. He ends up in what we would know as the promised land, the land that's given to him, the land of Canaan, the land of Israel now. But I want you to notice that just after he's there in the promised land, just after he gets there, Notice what takes place. Verse number seven of the same chapter. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Verse 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So the story is Abraham, <clears throat> Abram, Abraham, same individual. They get to the play, he gets to the promised land. Once he gets to the promised land, uh, everything's going good, everything's going fine, and then the Bible says a famine hit the land. And what did he do when the famine hits the land? He leaves. But there's nowhere in the passage, nowhere in scripture, does it say that God ever told him to leave. He just packed up. It's like they got there, they had barely unpacked their bags, and he walks back in and says, honey, pack back up. We're, we're going to Egypt. The famine is grievous. The word grievous in the passage here, it means severe or heavy. So now they're in the promised land and they have this, not just a shortage of water and crops, but really this is catastrophic. This is a, a major famine, a major situation, and it would be something that's going to affect the area for a while. And what does Abraham do? He flees to Egypt. You know what happened is this problem, it was a famine, but you know what it did? It caused him, it caused him to doubt. He was in God's perfect plan. He was in God's perfect will. God had come to him and said, hey, pack up and I will show you where to go. He got there in verse number seven and God said, this is the place, this is where I want you. And he's doing great, verse seven through nine. He's traveling around the land and then famine hits. And then this trial hits. And what does he do? He packs up and he leaves. This was a lapse in his faith. This was something that he probably knew and later on would know was a big mistake. You know what happened when he was down in Egypt? What happened when he was down in Egypt is he ended up lying about his relationship with his wife and got in trouble with Pharaoh and the situation there. But then he leave, Abram leaves Egypt and he brings back with him a bunch of Egyptian slaves. Do you know who one of those Egyptian slaves or servants were or was? Hagar. The whole situation between Hagar and Abraham, which we'll see in a few minutes, started because of his doubt, because of his lapse in faith. Well, why did it happen? Because of a problem. A problem, a situation a circumstance that was out of his control, it negatively affected his faith. I see tonight that problems influence faith. 
but they can also influence them in a positive way. Problems can cause us to turn to God or to trust in God. One of the situations that I see in Abraham's life where a problem positively influences faith is Genesis 22. You don't need to turn there, but Genesis 22 is the place where God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to offer your son to me. And God and Abraham, he starts making the trek up the mountain. They go three days journey. They go to this uh, Mount Sinai. They go up there. They begin to, uh, um, he, he begins to get everything ready. And if you recall, Isaac asks a question. The question that Isaac asks is the problem. Hey, dad, uh, there's no sacrifice. There's no lamb. We're going to sacrifice, but there's no lamb. Where's the offering? So here's a problem. But this was, this was a journey that Abram knew God wanted him to take, so now he's back in God's will. And notice the faith that he displays. He says, Abraham, or Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a land for the burnt offering. And they went both of them together. They say, Pastor, I don't, what, what's he say? What, I mean, what, what's the big deal with that wording or that verse there? The problem is they're going up the mountain for him to sacrifice his son. And his son asks, where's the burnt offering? He's not gonna turn to his son and say, well, God asked me to sacrifice you. Abraham, if you go even all the way to uh, uh, Hebrews again and then other places in the New Testament, Abraham believed that God would even raise his son up. But the entire time going through all of this, Abraham actually believed. I, I, I think Abraham actually believed that God was never gonna ask him to go through with it. And even if he did, God was gonna work a miracle to raise Isaac up again because God had made a promise to raise the seed up. But here's two different instances where you have the problem. One problem influenced Abraham to doubt. The other problem, it influenced him to have faith. Problems, they influence our faith. Don't you think about this in your life? Can you remember or reflect upon a time when your situation caused you to doubt God? Probably so. Oh, you may never have said, God, what's going on? Where are you? I doubt you. But and maybe you did. But inside, you had the questions of what's going on. And maybe your situation caused you to kind of backtrack a little bit. Let's be honest. How many of us will admit tonight that we've been there? All of us have. <clears throat> Problems, they influence our faith. They can influence it negatively. But then there also are problems that can influence it positively. Just like times in your life, maybe where you know a situation's there and something happens and encourages you and you say, all right, God's got this. The problem, the situation, it influenced it for the positive. And we'll see more about that in a second. So I see tonight, first off, that problems influence faith. Secondly, I want you to notice that people influence our faith. <clears throat> problems influence our faith, but secondly, people influence our faith. In the story of Abraham... And the idea of his faith being influenced by somebody, I can't help but think of Genesis chapter number 16. In that specific place in Genesis 16, where we'll be in just a second, God has already told Abraham that him and Sarah are going to have a child. 
He has already promised that, and God has actually already reaffirmed that with Abraham on two different instances. So he told him, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And then two other times between Genesis 12 and Genesis 16, God reaffirms the covenant that he made. But as you come to Genesis 16, we find that doubt is filling Sarah's life, and Sarah is the person that influences Abraham's faith. Notice the verses with me, Genesis 16, 1 and 2. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian. Remember, we got the Egyptian going down Genesis 12. Whose name was Hagar, and Sarah, Sarai, said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Sarah, in this passage, she's thinking that God forgot about them. She's thinking God has not come through on his end of the deal. And so she does what really is unthinkable. She tells Abraham to go be physically involved with her handmaid, Hagar. Hey, go have a child with her. And Sarah's thinking, then I could be the adopted mom and raise this child as my own. Well, Abraham, he does it. He goes in and he goes in unto Hagar and she becomes expectant. And then Sarah begins to feel the pain of that decision and regrets it. Hagar gets frustrated at Sarah and Hagar resents her, now, her boss now and there's this tension in the, in, the, in the house and in the families. And then Sarah turns and blames Abraham. So what were you thinking? Why did you do this? And I understand that a lot of people would say, well, it was, it, it was Sarah's fault. She shouldn't have said anything. But I look at the passage and I really see that I, it was Abraham's fault. And here's why. Because Abraham let Sarah's doubt influence his faith. And he let her doubt almost bleed over onto him. And he began to doubt. Now here's why I say it was Abraham's fault. If you go to the one time, that, to the time when God said, I make a covenant with you, and then the two, the two times that God reaffirms it, Sarah is not around on any of those. So Sarah was operating already off of the faith of Abram. God had told Abraham, I'm gonna make a great nation of you. God had told Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and Sarah with a child. It wasn't until Genesis chapter 18 when God speaks to Abraham and Sarah. So her faith, her faith in the whole situation is I'm trusting your word, honey. But then it comes to a point where she begins to doubt and instead of him saying, no, God said, we, listen, you're not trusting me, we're trusting God. Instead of him saying that, he allows the person closest to him to put a wedge between him and, and the Lord and put some doubt in there. And you say, Pastor, why are you bringing this up? What does this point to? It just points up to the fact that people affect our faith. People affect how you trust God. And someone's doubt can cause you to doubt. 
Someone's discouragement, like we saw last week, someone's discouragement can cause you to be discouraged. And your doubt can cause someone else to doubt. And your discouragement can cause someone else to be discouraged. And the truth is tonight that just as problems influence our faith in the direction it goes, people influence our faith. People influence our faith in the direction we go and trusting God or not trusting God, having faith or doubting. <clears throat> and sometimes the doubt of others, it causes us to make some foolish decisions. Just in this situation, Sarah's doubt caused Abraham to make some foolish decisions because he began to doubt. But I can also say tonight, as we've been studying on Sunday mornings, that someone else's faith can influence good things. You think about the series on judges that we've been going through. The faith of many of the judges influenced the faith of the children of Israel. I look even at the life of Abraham, and I believe that the faith of some of the leaders in Genesis chapter number um, six, no, Genesis chapter number 14, I think some of the, the faith of Melchizedek in Genesis 14 influenced the faith of Abraham and different things like that. I think there are people, but all throughout scripture, we have to see that there are people whose faith was positively influenced by the faith of somebody else. Someone saying, well, I believe God in this. I trust the God in this. And so you can too. Think about a series I'm preaching next year. I was looking at it this afternoon and uh, preaching it next year. And just a simple series called I Believe God out of Acts chapter number 27 where Paul said, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God. And you know what happens in, in Acts chapter number 27? All of those people, just because Paul said, I believe God, they latched onto his faith. And they said, all right, since you believe God, you're the man of God, we're following you. Man, what does that, what does that teach us? It teaches us, now, do not, don't ever underestimate the power of your doubt or the power of your faith. Why? Because people influence faith. I see tonight that problems influence our faith for the positive, for the negative. People influence our faith for the positive and for the negative. But tonight, I want us to, I want us to know what the determining factor is in those. What I mean by that is, what is it that causes people to influence it positively or negatively? What is it that causes or, uh, problems to influence our faith positively or negatively? And that's where I want to come down to the very simple foundational influence in our faith, and that is personal relationship. Personal relationship with God influences our faith. Your personal relationship with God is what's going to have the most influence on your faith. <clears throat> this is not going to be an extensive study at all over the next few minutes. But I wanna show you some of the things I found to show us that during the times when Abraham was really seen as trusting in God, those were the times that Abraham was closest to God in, in their relationship. Genesis 12, one through four. We just read the verses a second ago. The Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee and I will make of thee a great nation. will bless thee and will make thy name great. And shalt, thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee. Curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. 
And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Listen, this was the very first time that we find Abraham's faith really being influenced, and we find him stepping in God's will. And why did he do it? It's because he knew God had said it. He was taking God at his word and making decisions based upon God's word. Okay, don't forget that. Taking God at his word and making decisions based upon God's word. Let's go to another time, Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13, the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and uh, southward and eastward and westward. And the Lord continues and gives him guidelines of where he's going to be. So Acts, Acts 13, it's the division of the land. Him and, him and Lot are there in the land, and uh, it's, it goes, and their herdmen, they're, uh, his shepherds are all fighting. There's infighting between Lot and Abram, and Abram goes to Lot and says, hey, let's not do this. We be brethren. That's a famous verse. We be brethren. We're, we're related. Why are we doing this? Let's, you pick one side of the river, you, and I'll pick the other side. You pick one side of the valley, I'll pick the other side. And so Lot says, all right, I'll choose this side over by Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the Lord meets with Abraham and shows Abraham, here's the boundaries that you're going to have. And as you go to Acts 13 and watch from Acts 13 all the way to the beginning of Acts 14, what you see unfold is God blessing Abraham and multiplying him. Why? Because Abraham trusted God's word and took God at his word. God said it, Abraham believed it and acted upon it, made actions or decisions based upon the word that was given to him. Another place, Genesis chapter 14. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up, or I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. And what had taken place in Genesis 14 is Lot on his area had been captured by different enemies of the, of the land. And Abram grabs weapons arms his trained servants, 304, I think was the number of them, or 314, something like that. And with 300 men, Abraham chases down the enemy, defeats them, and brings back everybody that was captured and everything that was taken. When they get back in the land, that's where Melchizedek comes and presents himself before Abram. And uh, we see uh, the man of God, we see Melchizedek as a... Um, uh, a type of Christ, just different, different study there. But you go and you see and other kings, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah come and they say, Abraham, let us give you a bunch of stuff. And this is the very first part of his response to, to the king. And the response is, I have lift up my hand unto the Lord. You say, pastor, it doesn't make sense. The have is past tense. So he's saying, Abraham's saying, hey, before I got into this, I met with God. And the decision I made was not so that you would reward me because then people would say, Abram got rich by the hands of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, that's not it. God has done this work. God has recovered all this stuff. I have lift up mine hand unto the Lord. The reason, I lift, the reason I went and fought, it was to the Lord. It wasn't for you guys. God gave him a great victory because he was close to the Lord during this time. What's another place? Genesis 15. 
1 through 6, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine uh, heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, uh, he that shall come forth out of thine old bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So here's Abraham again, uh, believing the word of God. And this is, of course, in Genesis chapter 15, before everything, everything takes place with Ishmael, this is one of those two times where God reaffirms that faith and Abraham believes God and it's, that's counted to him for righteousness. So here's now him saying, okay, I'm gonna act upon the received word of God. It's that personal relationship that helps Abram have that trust in the Lord. One more place and then, or two more places and then we'll be, get our, our thought and be done. Genesis 17, one through four, when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am all, the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. God, once again, reaffirming the covenants in Abraham's life, building that personal relationship. In Genesis 17, Abraham continues to walk with the Lord and see uh, the blessing of God with Isaac and sees Isaac uh, established and, and, of course, gets that um, covenant. That's the word I'm looking for. Gets that covenant promised and reaffirmed once again. And you can see, you really, it's interesting, you can see Abraham's path of good decisions, always following a time with God. Three more verses. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Verse 22 of Genesis 18, the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abram stood yet before the Lord. 11 verses later, verse 33, the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. In Genesis 18, it's the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in that passage, you know who God confides in and meets with? Abraham. And the messengers of God confide in him. And I love verse 33 because if you go back to verse 22, the people who are meeting there, the angels, they leave. But the Lord stays. And verse 33 says, the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. Here's what James said about the relationship between Abraham and God. The scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he, Abraham, he was called the friend of God. I believe there's only two people in scripture that are designated as the friend of God, Abraham and Moses that Moses was one that knew God face to face and Abraham was one that it said he was the friend of God. Now, you say, Pastor, why look at all these things about Abraham? <clears throat> I'm gonna tell you that I think every single Christian, every single one of us, can grow in our faith and should grow in our faith. But that growth in trusting God 
It is not going to come if we aren't experiencing a personal relationship with God. If we're not knowing God face to face, if we're not the friend of God, communing with him, spending time with him. Because the fact of the matter is this, that the closer in relationship I get to somebody, the more I trust that somebody. You think about your relationship, those of you that are married. When you first got married, oh, you trusted them because you said I do. You trusted them because they said I do. But after you're married for five or six or seven or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, you trust them. Why? Because you know them. I trust you because I know you. I think about the uh, position of a boss with employees. I'll use our staff as an illustration. When Robert and Beth are the only staff in here, so I'll pick on them because they're here. When Robert and Beth first came on staff, I knew them. I knew Robert. I knew him when he was in ninth grade. Uh, He had worked for us in Lakewood. I knew him a little bit. But during that first year, there weren't too many times where I said, you make the decision. I trust you. Because we didn't know each other on that level, didn't know that he had my heart and I had his. But now, more often than not, Robert comes and says, hey, pastor, hey, here's a decision we need to make. And I find myself often saying, Robert, don't bother me with that. You make the decision. I trust you. Beth, I trust you. Whatever you decide, I trust you. Well, why am I able to say that? Because I've got to know them, not got to know them more. The more you get to know somebody, the more you trust them. The same is true in our walk with God. The more you get to know God, the more you're gonna trust him. The easier the faith steps are. Hey, I want, you to, I want you to give this much to missions. Okay. It's not a big struggle anymore. Why? I know him. Hey, I want you to pick up some tracks, and this weekend, I want you to make a point to talk to that person about the gospel. Okay. Why, why can you say okay so fast? Because I trust him. I know him. Hey, I want you to uh, step out and serve. Oh, God, I just don't know if I can... You wanna, you wanna get past that? If, if we wanna get past that, you know what we do? We get to know God. Now, where's the New Testament principle that teaches this? I think it's a great verse. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, in the context, this is talking about the faith of salvation, but I believe that we can see the application all throughout and the principle established all throughout the word of God that our faith, our trust in God is strengthened as our relationship grows. And so here's what I believe where we need to go with this tonight and we're done. In each of our lives, there are going to be times when the Lord asks us to take steps of faith. And he's gonna ask it in such a way as almost if he's asked, holding out his hand, and just saying, do you trust me? I want you to take this step. Do you trust me? Can I just say tonight that a great response for those times is for you and I to jump. What do you mean, jump in? Jump in. 
I jump in with a resounding yes. I take his hand and I jump. I don't wait and, and lightly go. No, I jump. Why? Because I trust him. Well, how can you trust him so much? Because I know him. But we will not take those faith steps if we are not growing in our closeness with him. And I close with this illustration tonight, or this quote tonight. It's this simple statement. Our relationship with God must deepen in order for our faith to deepen. If you wanna go deeper in your trust with God, you gotta go deeper in your relationship with him. Some people, the, the deepest they've been is church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night. <laughs> For others, the deepest they've been is, you know, I read my Bible every now and then. But for some, the deepest they are is in the word every day. You say, well, how do you go deeper than that? We know. You know how you get deeper with somebody, right? You spend more time with them. Oh, so you're saying I gotta read the Bible. I already read it 20 minutes. I gotta read it 45 minutes? No. No, but I spend more time getting to know the person. I spend more time getting to know the Lord and his word. I spend a more precious time in prayer with him. You know what that's gonna do? That's going to grow our faith. Yes, problems can influence our faith, negatively or positively. Yes, people can influence our faith, negatively or positively. But the deciding factor on if it's positive or negative with people and problems is your relationship, your personal relationship with God. And tonight, I really, honestly, I just felt led of the Lord to just look at faith because I, I personally think our church right now is facing some decisions of are we gonna step out by faith or are we gonna just kind of stay comfortable? You say, what do you mean, Pastor oh, I don't know, like starting a church in Wenatchee, Washington. That's a faith step for our church. Are we gonna step out by faith and say, yes, we are on board? Or are we gonna say, uh, no, they can go. We're, we're just gonna kinda, we'll figure, we'll figure it out. I think about people in our church that maybe haven't started serving yet. Oh, I know it's Thursday night. Most everybody that's here is probably serving in some way. But how can we help others grow in their faith. We'll never, we'll never be the positive influence on someone else's faith if we first aren't growing in our own faith, our own trust with the Lord, and that's not gonna happen if the relationship's not going deeper. And so I just wanna ask you for this weekend, just from now until Sunday, will you choose to go deeper with God? God, I just wanna spend some, I wanna spend some real time with you. God, I wanna grow this weekend. Lord, I'm gonna get up, and in the morning, I, I spend 20 minutes with you, God, I'm gonna really dedicate that 20 minutes. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna let my mind wander. I'm gonna dedicate it to you because I want a deeper relationship because a deeper relationship provokes a deeper faith. Lord, I thank you for the day and thank you for your word. I pray that you'd help us tonight. God, help us to understand that you desire to influence our faith in a greater way, but that only happens as we have that relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that as we... Reflect upon the message tonight, Lord. I pray that we would see that you desire for us to take faith steps towards you, but that only comes as we grow in our relationship with you. And so, Lord, help us. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, 
please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.